0: All personnel, please report to the quarantine zone. This is not a test. A new episode of Presbyterians in Quarantine Drinking Coffee is about to begin. Welcome,
1: friends, to another thrilling episode of Presbyterians in Quarantine Drinking Coffee. I'm your moderator, Mark Mernan, and once again, I am joined by the ineffable West Lover, pastor of Cornerstone what Presbyterian does that even Church, mean? and inarticulate. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Extremely articulate, Andrew insurmountable. Jacobson, insurmountable. Yes. Andrew Jacobson, pastor of Sand Harbor Presbyterian Church in Jupiter, Florida, and we are here for now, episode 22, where yes. the hits just keep on coming. Yes, Mark's running
2: out of adjectives.
1: Yes. I am running out of adjectives. What would a group like this is <laughs> That's right. Well, I mean, just we were sola pastora. We yes. Had this. Okay. <laughs> Only pastors here. But today, gentlemen, we started last week a discussion on the five solas. Mm-hmm. We learned that they are not a rhythm and blues group. Nope. That they are in That's fact, the most
0: important thing we learned about them.
1: Absolutely. Not like the raisins. What were they, uh, raisin bran, the raisin uh, brand? The the uh, I, I heard it through the grapevine. Do you remember that song about raisin brand?
0: No, I was I was not born there. I'm really late <laughs> dating myself, I not here?
1: So but we are here talking about the sola uh, solas, and the first one on the list is Sola Fide. Fide yes. Sola yes. Fide by faith alone. By faith alone. And what is the context? Well what let's we? so let's let's, let's read a
0: passage. So All right. Where uh are you West, at? you get a passage. So I'm going to read Romans 3. So in Romans 3, and I'll I'll start in verse 23, Paul gives that famous statement, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, which is really a summary of what he's just said in chapter 1 and chapter 2, that all people, Gentiles who are outside the covenant Mm -hmm. and Jews who are inside the covenant are all sinners that fall short of the glory of God. But here's the good news, verse 24, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood, to be received by faith. Wow! To be received by faith, and so the this sola fide by faith alone is is speaking about what is the means, the instrument by which we can be
1: saved. So, an instrumentality—we are saved yep. through an instrument, the instrument of faith. That's a great
0: description of it. Yeah. So, Wes, what was what was the text?
1: Yeah, so I'm gonna pull from uh, Romans chapter
2: ten. I was trying to decide really quick, made a quick snap decision. Yes, <laughs> I was trying to start Roman or Galatians three mm-hmm. is also a very good one where um, Paul just making the argument of who are the sons of Abraham, who is the true Israel of God, the true people of God. It's those of faith. And then so Romans ten, um, Paul's gonna say, how then will they call on Him in who they have not believed, and how are they to believe in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what what has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so it's talking about the hearing of the gospel, the, go- the gospel call, which precedes um, not immediately, because it's a factual call, but precedes
0: uh, faith. And, and the gospel call is seeking to elicit yeah, faith, faith, which is the instrument by yeah. which we lay hold of Christ mm-hmm. for salvation. Exactly. And, and I love the, even the story in Acts of, I think it's Paul and Silas are in jail in, in Philippi, right. and they're, they're singing hymns, and then an earthquake happens, and the jailer thinks that, oh no, all the prisoners yep. I'm responsible for have gotten out, and he's about to kill himself, and then Paul says, no, no, stop, we're all here. And then they have an opportunity to to preach the gospel to him. And he says, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus. Mm
1: -hmm. Believe. To believe on him. To Mm -hmm. entrust myself to him.
0: Which, yeah, that's a good... So when we talk about faith, what... Let's talk about the synonyms. What are the
1: synonyms for faith? Because faith is one of those nebulous terms. Mm -hmm. You hear it from the the prosperity preachers. If only you had enough faith, you know, you'd have gotten your airplane by now or whatever.
2: I think like the... If you're just looking for like a little quick... Want you know one liner in faith? I was gonna also just say Ephesians 2, 8, 9 uh, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing; it is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the the cliche one, or the and I,
0: I think yeah you know, one of the metaphors of faith is uh, turning from trust in self or a turning away. Sure. So faith turns from something to something. It turns from any trust in one's work, in one's righteousness, in, in one's ability to save oneself, and it turns mm-hmm. to Christ. So what makes that possible? Because there's something that precedes, mm-hmm. is there something, maybe that's a way, yep. is there
1: something that precedes faith?
0: Well, you Wes mentioned mm-hmm. Ephesians 2 8, 9 Yep. And one of Paul's statements in there is that this is the gift of God. Right. And I think what he what Paul is speaking about there, when he says this, mm-hmm. he's speaking about. All of it. Yep. The ability to believe and what Christ has come and done so that we can believe in something for salvation. That's all a gift of God. Our personal faith and the provision of a savior is a gift of God. So it's it's the spirit giving life to a dead, blind, dumb heart. Corrupted. Yeah. 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 There's There's two
2: preconceived ideas that I think people have about faith in our culture. One of them I'm going to say is true. The other one i'm going to say is not true um one is that it is it is belief in something that you cannot see and i'll give credence to that um the second one is is the that it's belief in something that is not reasonable Hmm. or something that there is no evidence for Hmm. right and so for example um i believe in aliens i have faith that aliens exist right someone might say something along those lines um, and then to, to the outsiders, they're saying, okay, that's what, that's what faith is, right? It's, it's this belief, trust that something exists when it's not verifiable, it's actually unreasonable. That is not what faith is. Um, mm-hmm. Faith is rooted in something that is very reasonable, something that there is evidence for. And so that's kind of one of the, the contrasts I want to make here is that when we talk about faith, we're not talking about... Irrational. Yeah, irrational Mm -hmm. belief. We're talking about faith jumping
1: off a building. Okay.
2: We're talking about a very rational um, and logical, I'll use that word too, I'll say logical uh, trust and belief in the object of what that is. And so when we're talking about biblical faith, we're talking about God, the object of our faith.
0: Yeah, that's why you just look at the preaching of the apostles in the book of Acts. Before they gave that call to believe in the Lord Jesus, they were giving uh, content of truth and evidence for that he is risen and look the, his grave is empty, mm-hmm. and so they weren't asking him to believe in spite of all the evidence. Yeah. Sure, or uh, you know, contrary to what you may think, you should believe these things.
1: Look, we didn't see him afterwards. Mm-hmm. He's just just gone. He was in the tomb. We're we're just saying he's gone. They had they had evidence.
0: Yep. and that's mm-hmm. why um, the reformers would talk about how how faith has an intellectual component to it. That mm-hmm. faith uh, has content. That it must grasp right. and assent to, it must you know not just see the data, but it must actually believe that the data is true, and then mm-hmm. the extra step of
1: entrusting yourself mm-hmm. to that data. Yeah. So it is seeing it, it's believing it, and then the
0: entrustment, because the the devils see and believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And so I think you know we have uh, this idea, in some ways, that um, faith is almost anti-intellectual. That that faith is is the, the absence of intellectual knowledge or right. rational belief. But no 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 faith includes that, which is why Absolutely You have that statement in like Matthew. Um, Jesus says unless you become like a child, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. Well when Jesus talks about childlike faith, he means the childlikeness of trusting and depending on someone to right. care for you, to to catch you when you when you jump or something yeah. like that. Now
1: isn't that also an element though among Unbelievers, do they not demonstrate faith? In, in their, w- they're placing their faith in science. Yeah, placing has their faith fa- in something. Yes, I mean that, they're not. We're not yes. faithless yes. beings. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's really, um, uh, it's really a, a denial mm-hmm. of, uh, of of a human compo- of a human element in our image of God. We are made as faith require requiring yeah. faith. We we believe in things. Yeah. It's just we we're, we're dishonest. The unbeliever is dishonest in his or her, or and ignorant of what the object of that faith should be, and so they they bring in substitutes for that.
2: When I when my conversations with um, atheists, I I always I actually now will begin with infinite regression, right? And because it's it's if. If that's really the only thing that matters.
1: Well, if you begin, you're going to end with infinite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right, just saying, just saying. So, okay, it's like, all it all the it way down. Okay.
2: Cut out everything else. Let's just go straight there because that's where this is going anyways. Mm-hmm. That's sort of my mindset, right? It's like, we're, we're going to get there. Let's just start there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and this is the idea, right? Is is you you either have faith in matter, you have faith in a divine being. Um, it's one or the other, right? Where There's no faithless person to your point. Everyone has faith and i would say that the the matter is the our cultural understanding of faith which is something that is unreasonable or logical right um, yeah i mean, I mean whether a,
0: we're aware of it or not everyone places faith in something yeah so faith is like you often hear people say like if if some trial comes or some loss comes people are like well i'm glad you have your faith right as if you have faith but but they don't well the reality is we all place faith in something absolutely and either in substitute saviors other than Christ, whether it's money, like even the Bible speaks about people trusting in their riches yeah. or itself, that I, I trust in my myself in, in terms of the works I've done, the righteousness I've earned, like the the Pharisee in Jesus' parable in Luke 18. God, I thank you that I, that am, I not am not like that person. I do this, <laughs> I do that. That is an example of, of a self-justifying faith. All
1: right, now that, that leads us to another aspect of this. Do I need faith? Am I saved by works? The Romans 4, Paul, the James 2 debate. Mm-hmm. What are the conundrums which this doctrine, this position, uh, presents to the believer?
0: Yeah, I mean, this, many people seem to point out that it seems that Paul says something and then James says something and that they contradict. Right. It, Paul will say in Romans 3, for by works of the law, no one can be justified. Mm-hmm. Uh, or Romans 4, that uh, you see it's the one who does not work, mm-hmm. but believes yeah. who is justified. Well, then James, and, and we, can, we can turn there in our Bibles, in James 2, I think it's James 2.24. You say you have faith, I say I have works, mm-hmm. 2.14. 2.24, James 2.24. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Yep. Right. And so many, uh, you know, Roman Catholic theologians and scholars will point out: you say you believe in by faith alone, but the only time that phrase shows up in Scripture, it's actually negated. So what's going on here? Yeah, and we don't know the answer, and so we will have to figure it out another time. No,
1: <laughs> we do know.
0: The answer is you have to understand that two, Paul and James, are dealing with two different questions right. and two different theological. This errors. is a,
1: this is a hermeneutical discussion. What were they? What were the contexts that they
0: were writing to at the time? So Paul. Is dealing with a theological issue in which people are saying to to be saved, to be someone who's counted as part of God's family, His people, you need faith plus works. Right. Because they're asking, what, the what ju- saves
1: you? Yeah, you must respond to the Judaizers. You must mm-hmm. be circumcised and obey the yeah. Law of Moses. Like in Galatians,
2: yeah, opposed to works being the manifestation of faith. Yeah. So those are the two different things we're talking about here. Yeah. Works is the manifestation of faith versus works. Faith is being the instrument of salvation. Yeah, correct. Yeah.
0: And so yeah, so Paul's dealing with the question, what saves you? So is it instrument, faith instrument, and
1: works? Instrumentality versus byproduct.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. and then James is dealing with the question, what kind of faith
1: saves mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm.
0: Is it just merely an intellectual faith that Kay. bears no fruit?
1: In works. Good point. Okay.
0: Because you know, if you look at so there
1: has to be there has to be some manifestation, not merely mental assent, which we addressed before, Mm -hmm. uh, and not merely a verbal verbal entrustment, but actually a wholehearted stepping out and doing what the word commands.
0: Because another another term that the the reformers would use to describe what what is true saving faith Mm -hmm. is that faith is vital vital meaning not like so important that we need it but vital in the sense of it's lively and active yeah that the, the true saving faith is a living and active faith yeah. and so when when James is speaking he's dealing with people who have Kind of drifted into this air of like oh, I believed and therefore I can just go kind on kind of an merry easy way. grace. What uh, yeah, David uh, Wilson e- an called the cheap, cheap, cheap grace. grace. Yeah, cheap and he, grace. He
2: confronts it with, well, guess what? So do the demons, right? Yeah, they do. Believe Even it. the demons believe.
1: In, in James one uh, one twenty two, but be do- doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Uh, you know, but you, not a hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. He's mm-hmm. he's emphasizing throughout the entire epistle here the importance of believers acting on what they yeah. proclaim.
0: And we see this in our own day, where with, with much of the resurgence of these these big rallies and conferences where, mm-hmm. you know, like in many ways it started with the Billy Graham crusades and things like that. You get all these people together in this big room. You preach a you know, simple gospel message, and you just ask people to raise their hand. And people almost think that... Because I raised my hand, because I walked forward, because I I made a decision, therefore I'm saved. And it's almost decisionalism rather than by faith alone. Yeah. So the question Mm -hmm. is, and I think
2: this is a good way of understanding, is do you believe in God or do you believe God? R.C. Sproul Mm -hmm. brings it up in Essential Truths. And here's what he's saying is there is a a belief in God. You say you believe that God exists. Mm -hmm. But that's not saving faith Correct. because you do not trust God. You do not love God. You just simply give some kind of intellectual assent to the existence of God. You're a deist. Yes, you're a deist. And then there is, do you believe God? And, and this is the yeah. difference. Yeah. There's a this is relational. Yes, yeah. this person takes God at his word, and when they believe God... They believe that God is who he said he is, that God is good, right? And and what is the result if we believe God and God says that he is given us the entire law, all, all of it, right? Uh, the His word in its entirety for our own good as a loving father seeks to, to carry along their children and instruct them in the way they should go. If this is why God has given this to us for our own good so that we can bring him glory, that we can honor him. Then we are going to naturally do what? We are going to obey yeah. if we believe God, if we take him at his word and believe him.
0: And so, yeah, the phrase that was used in the Reformation is faith alone saves, but the faith that saves is never, never. alone. It's yeah. always accompanied by good works. And the illustration that was used is how do you tell that a tree is good? By by the by fact that fruit. it bears good fruit. Correct. And how do you tell if, if a tree is dead? The fact that it's yep. barren, it doesn't bring no, forth doesn't. any... Fr- so that's what James is kind of dealing with. He's saying, let's look at this tree that you say you have of faith. And how what's the, the litmus test that it's a living, active tree? Well, does it bring forth the fruit of works?
1: Yeah. Does it bring forth good fruit? Yeah. Not the wicked fruit.
2: Yeah. And, and so in 1 Peter 2, he so he says, uh, put away, and he's just given this sort of... Um, breakdown of loving one another. And he's also mentioned fearing God, living in the fear of God, seeking to love one another. And he says, the word is living and active. And he says, so then right as a result of the, the living word of God, put away, get rid of, be done with all malice. Malice is just evil or wickedness, Mm -hmm. right? right? Put away all evil and wickedness. And then he's the next one is hypocrisy, right? So lest you be a hypocrite, put away all evil and wickedness. And Think about how this fits into our conversation right now. If you really believe, then you will seek to put away evil. You will seek to put away weakness. You will seek to put away malice and seek to follow Christ.
1: And yeah. the, the, the contrast to that, of course, would be those who've made professions and yet their lives mm. ultimately prove them either to be false or misled. Yeah, yeah. the hypocrites. And so we yeah.
0: always want to put faith in its proper place and works in its proper place. Yeah. And that's what the, the Reformers were wrestling with a, a Roman Catholic system in which they believed that works were being smuggled back into salvation. Because yeah. they, they said that the Roman Catholic Church taught that faith is necessary for salvation, but it's not sufficient. You need faith accompanied by the uh, adhering to and following the practices of the sacraments, that you, you need to be baptized, you need to be confirmed, you need to practice confession, you need to uh, participate in the right. Lord's Supper, like all these, all these different things, because um, your justification was not a declaration of in a moment in time where God said, mm-hmm. "You are righteous in my sight," yeah. because you believe in Christ. Mm-hmm. Justification was something that happened over time. Yeah. You had to become just.
1: You were progressively, progressively justified. justified. Versus yeah. our understanding, the Protestant, the the mm-hmm. Orthodox, Protestant, is that we are progressively sanctified, exactly, because we are justified.
0: Yeah, and that's the, you have these two terms of uh, imputed righteousness versus imparted Parted. righteousness, mm-hmm. yeah. and imputation is kind of a a bank or, or financial term where yeah. you go to your account and money has been imputed into your account, meaning someone has dropped a sum of money in there, like you know the federal government did for many of us not too not too long ago <laughs> the the stimulus check, the Trump bucks.
1: I sent mine back. Oh, you Okay, oh, I'm no, sure I you did. No.
0: Um, and that was money being imputed into your account. Is at a moment in time it was put there correct. Versus mm-hmm. imparted. And we have
1: access to it. Mm-hmm. It's not withheld from us. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And so what we when we believe in Christ, one of the things that happens is not only is our sin forgiven, but Christ's righteousness is credited or imputed to us. Versus in the Roman Catholic system, righteousness is something that is imparted. It happens over time. As you become righteous, you, you at some point reach this place where you are righteous and therefore God counts you righteous. Yes. You can't do it,
1: and you can also accrue under that schema. You can also accrue righteousness, righteous deeds, which are merits, which can Mm -hmm. be then attributed to into the into well some space time continuum. (laughs) Where yeah, that
0: that was yeah. So one of the historical things that was very interesting we talked about indulgences last episode, and the indulgences was this paper that was given to you showing that you had been granted access to the church's treasury of merits, Mm -hmm. and the treasury of merits was this. Place where the extra credit righteousness or the sure. superabounding grace that the saints had earned yeah. went and stored because yeah they're very generous people and they wanted to give you some extra grace because they know you they wanted to throw could, a little
1: bit they wanted to throw a little bit my way yeah and so
0: you could access that and it could get you or your loved one extra time out of purgatory yeah. because yep. purgatory is this place you went to purge you of your unrighteousness to accrue more righteousness so that you could then be granted access yeah. into heaven
2: oh, I think God. one thing that's helpful to think about here. Is so, let's we'll use baptism as an illustration, right? We're baptized, but that doesn't, when you're baptized, it doesn't necessarily mean you're being set apart as a member of the covenant family of God, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you fully understand everything that there is to understand about your salvation. You actually grow into your baptism. And in the same way, someone who is justified grows into their salvation. Um, and a lot of people, when they talk about salvation, they always just use it for justification, but it's an inclusive term. It includes everything. There's 10 different, um, if you're talking about order salutis, if we're t- using the order of salutis here, which is within, you know, uh, as a church, our construct, our um, confession, uh, then we are going to say that it began with election, ends with glorification. Within th- there, we have the calls and we have the, uh, justification and the sanctification as an essential part of this overarching work of salvation that God alone is doing, that God alone gets the glory for. So you're justified, and then you grow into your salvation by God's grace alone. Maybe that's not helpful at all. Maybe it's helpful
0: for me. Well, let's, let me ask, let me ask <laughs> yeah. this question. So one of the objections that was been historically and even contemporarily laid up against this idea of by faith alone is that it leads to moral indifference? Sure. If mm. your salvation is not in any way based off of your works, mm. simply by believing in Christ what He's accomplished, that's just going to lead. Well, that's a to classic example
1: in the, uh, on the on uh, the uh, amongst the unbelievers who you confront out when yeah. you're out and about. Say, so, well, so if Hitler just re- all Hitler had to do was express faith in Christ and he's out, of, he, he's he's good. All murderers just have to believe in Jesus and they're done. And that's not a that's not a a valid uh, that's not a valid a claim against yeah. against faith because faith is manifested by that turning, and yet the thief on the cross, yeah, exhibited in his last hours, exhibited saving faith. Today mm-hmm. you will be with me in paradise. Um. And I, I don't, I don't want to come across as saying
2: that I think murderers are forgiven more than the rest of us. Look, right. we are all far more sinful Absolutely. than we understand, mm-hmm. um, and we are all fully in need of forgiveness. But there is this idea of I do think that. People that come to Christ, for example, a murderer that comes to Christ, right. maybe has a clear understanding of the extent to which they've been forgiven. And a lot of times, just in this is super anecdotal; don't take this for fact. But what you'll see is these these murderers, right, that come to Christ. I think of one guy. Um, his name's Jake Eakin, um, who comes to Christ and then lives this just like all out. Like cares about nothing but the glory of God. Life that follows their conversion, and so, and but it's not that they're earning anything. They're just they can't they can't fathom. They have an, that appreci- God would they have an
1: appreciation, them. appreciation. Exactly, knowing themselves more accurately than the Pharisee who beats who looks up to heaven and says, "I'm not like these guys." Yeah. Yep. he's the publican. You know, this 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 individual who's who has in a moment of clarity recognizes his sin, beats his chest, and Lord, I'm not. Absolutely. And that's why yeah.
0: it, it, it this objection that leads to moral indifference doesn't hold any water because no. look at what happened with the apostle Paul. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, he was a murderer. Yeah. Then he understood that all of his righteousness was like uh, a pile of crap. Yeah. I like, <laughs> to yeah. say in, in and yeah. he said, Simba- you know, I, I consider this Simba- all rubbish. Simbalo. yeah, Sumbalo, yeah, Simbalo. yeah. yeah. I consider this dung. Yeah. Yep. Only that I, my. Be found in Christ, not having a righteousness yeah, of my own, which is through the law, sense, yeah. but which comes through faith yeah, in Romans Christ. Three. So, and, so, and look what he did. Yeah, he worked, he worked harder church, exactly. than any of them, not because he thought that his salvation depended on it, because he knew it didn't. And that motivated him. Yeah. The chief of
1: sinners had become the chief apostle. Yes. So, exactly. what's happening now that might be undermining the doctrine? What do we see in evangelicalism that might be undermining? The biblical doctrine of faith alone. Hmm. Where do we begin? We got
0: about six minutes. Yeah. Well, I th- I think, I mean, in many ways, we yeah. we are tempted to trust in other things than Christ. Right. That we we don't realize that we all, whether we're ever not exercise faith in something, and oftentimes it's not in Christ, hmm. it's in wealth or in. Vaccines, or in health experts, or in, or in risk-free living, candidate. or presidential yeah. candidates, politicians—that yeah. we, our, our faith is so easily diverted from Christ as the only object which it can be attached to, savingly to other things. So that—that's what I'd say. There's there's alternative objects that allure us to have faith in. How are
1: you encouraging your congregations to uh, walk by faith in the midst of? Not just a pandemic, civil unrest, civil disobedience, uh, political uh, turmoil. Uh, one of the most demanding times that I think any of us can, particularly even my, in my own late years. I mean, I don't. I've never recalled a year like this. Yeah. How are we? How are you encouraging your congregations? Yeah. To in their entrustment of mm-hmm. Christ alone.
2: I've been. I've been thinking about this. Um, so in. In First Peter, right, he, he's writing to these believers that are suffering. They're being persecuted. They're facing hostility. Their living conditions are worse than ours, right? So all oh, these fine. things that you just described don't compare to right. first century. Uh, hey, we Christians still have living. air conditioning. We're in yeah, Florida. Exactly. Yeah. As we mm-hmm. speak, right? Um, living in these these brutal conditions in these different Roman provinces as persecution is just starting to get heated up what do you think he's saying in this letter, right? Is it, is it all just like, just hang in there. Things are going to get better. Like it's what it's calls to holiness, (laughs) right? It's like they're, they're facing difficulty, but he's, he's showing them their sin and then calling them to holiness. And so one thing is just how we talk about, I, you know, Again, anecdotal, a lot of times what you see from these, and Paul's Paul is a perfect example, but there are others, even modern ones, examples of of people, murderers, right, yeah. that come to Christ, and then they live these lives where they're living for the glory of God and for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And it's just so self-evident in their lives. Um, and, and what we can't do is make everyone a murderer, but we can get them <laughs> to understand that they are a murderer, right? Listen, you won't get Here, this until you are a murderer. So in the Beatitudes, right? When right. Jesus says that, everybody hates, it's it's through the word of God, which you continually impress upon the people of God. What that does is it gets them to see their sin clearer and clearer and clearer for what it is. Yeah. The more you get in the word, the more you understand that these murderers, you're no better than them. Right, like, But for the grace of God, there go I. I am just as capable of any of these things. And then what's the result of that? It's a love for Christ, a deeper appreciation of the gospel. And then what that results in is a sanctified and holy, upright life. Because that can only be birthed out of a love for Jesus, which comes from the realization of who you are and who Jesus is, and then what Jesus did for you despite who you are and who he is.
1: This was our call to confession this past weekend. The call, mm-hmm. the, uh, you, uh, Matthew 5, 21, you've heard it said, you shall not murder, but I say to you, everyone who's angry mm-hmm. with his brother. Yep. So exposing people to their sin exactly. and causing them. I think you mentioned that this weekend in your sermon, it wasn't the problem. The problem isn't getting people saved. The problem is getting people lost. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, to find a, their need
1: for faith. Absolutely.
0: Back to your question, how do you encourage people? I think with this doctrine, the way you can encourage people, and part of the reason why I've been preaching on these solas in church is because I think... When you can help people re, re-grasp these foundational pillars of our faith and, and to sink their roots into the, the soil of these truths, sure. it actually stabilizes them, regardless mm. of the circumstances they're going on around. And one place that the Scriptures does that is in Romans eight thirty one to 34. Mm. Mm. Paul asks all these rhetorical questions. Right? Who shall? What then shall we say to think, if God is for us, who can be against us? Yeah. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God to select? And here's the answer. It is God who justifies. Mm. And so grasping the doctrine of justification by faith alone helps you understand that nothing is against us. Mm. Nothing can stand against us because God, when we are justified and God declares us righteous, when he justly justifies the unjust, right. that means that he is 100% for us and therefore nothing can be against us. Doesn't mean any not anything won't come against you, but nothing can overcome you. Nothing can separate you from, from God's love, which is secure for us in Christ Jesus, and no charge can be brought later. against you that will stand on the final day.
1: He is just yeah. and the justifier of those who express mm-hmm. faith in Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah. You know, certainly in
2: Philippians especially, but really in any of Paul's letter, it, it always stands out this like grounding he has. This joy he has that's not dependent on circumstances. Mm-hmm. It's like if I want to encourage people, I want them to look like that. Yeah. I, I want. And if I'm going to encourage them, it's going to be to have joy despite anything that happens. And yeah, like you know, it's it's hard not to get depressed when you turn on the news right now. It really is. Um, and I don't care what side you fall on. Absolutely. <laughs> um, the wrong but, side or the right side. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so it, so it, we skip the right or left, didn't we? <laughs> so it's it's hard, you know. It's hard to deal with these things. It can be, you know, I want to give credence to that. But it's like when we realize how awesome the Word of God is, when we realize how amazing the gospel is, man, that roots us down, and it gives us a grounding, a joy that cannot be shaken. Mm. Um, And the the only way you do that is by exposing sin, and then after exposing the sin, showing the Savior.
1: Mm. I think that's one of the comforts I've derived from the tumultuousness of the times, the tumult. Uh, is the notion that there's nothing in Scripture that doesn't address uh, identical and even more yep. dangerous, unstable times. Mm-hmm. And yet as we grow in our faith, we do have that stability. We're not tossed about by a, a to and fro by every wind of doctrine. We're able to build stability
0: and steadiness into our lives. Mm-hmm. Solid s- biblical doctrine gives you steel in your spine and anchors for your feet in the midst of every yeah. wind and wave of culture and...
1: Did you write that down, Wes? That is so good. <laughs> That's going to be our logo after That's this. So funny. But we're going to sink it. We're sinking our faith into the rock of mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's a good word. Gentlemen, always a pleasure. Mm. Great stuff here. Sola Fide this week. Sola gratia. next week.
0: Solus Christus.
1: Solus Christus next week, Christ yeah. Alone. Yes. This will be a great episode, so make sure you're tuned in with us. On behalf of Andrew Jacobson from Sand Harbor Presbyterian Church and Wes Lover from Cornerstone Presbyterian Church, I'm your moderator, Mark Murnan. Thanks for joining us on Presbyterians in, Presbyterians in Quarantine. <laughs>
0: Presbyterians just drinking. <laughs> just drinking. We
1: could use one after this. But we'll see you next week.
2: Tripper, however you'd like. <laughs>
0: This episode of Presbyterians in Quarantine drinking coffee is now over. You may now exit the quarantine zone.